0: Good morning. I have good news for you. God is in His heaven. Jesus is alive and they are in control of things. Nothing passes their their notice and they get the last word. And even better, we are here this morning to give them honor and praise because they have saved us. So we thank God for that. Now, Um, I want to uh, remind you there's a Lenten service Wednesday at 7 p.m. here. The rest of the announcements you can see, but I want to mention a couple of things in lieu of these announcements. First, I want to give a shout-out to those who cannot be here who are on YouTube. We love you. We miss you. But God is with you, and we're glad you are watching. And also, uh, you notice... The flowers. Did you notice who the flowers represent? Virginia K. Now, normally, you know, so "Who's that?" Doesn't matter. But you know, there's names every week. We don't know who they are. But I want to say a word about Virginia K. Pam and I saw Virginia K. about um, seventy-two hours before she died, and we went to see her in near Cincinnati in the assisted living. And I didn't know her. We had not known her. And we walked in the room. And people told me she may not be alert or this or that, but she was alert and everything else. And I walked in the room. I introduced myself. And a big smile came on her face. And you're going to find out why I'm mentioning her, what was important to her. Because she was laying on the bed on her side, and we came in and introduced, and she says, The church did not forget me. She spoke for 45 minutes, and she, I probably didn't bring it, but it's in the office. She gave a list of names because she loved the church. Tell this person. Give my regards. That person, just the whole list. And when I asked her, and she has served, she, she was in this church 50 years. And a teacher uh, or librarian, I believe, at the school, didn't have any family except a sister. She loved this church. She gave a lot of herself to this church. And I'm so glad that there are flowers to remember Virginia Kay because churches are built with people like this. When I asked her what she wanted the class to pray for, she said, just pray that I will, when I die, because she was in hospice then, that when I, when I die, I will go in peace and faith. And, and she did. She never had a service, but I just wanted to honor her and to let you know uh, what she meant to this church and what this church meant to her. Virginia K. may God uh, give her rest and peace. Now, finally, I want to make one last statement on the Asbury Revival today. I've been in contact all week with people there and this and that. Um, It's a powerful movement of God. The president had a meeting yesterday morning with alumni. I am am an alumni and, and many others were on that meeting. Um, the president has asked, if, if you're an alumni, please do not come to Asbury right now. And when I explain why, you'll know. Revivals are messy, and they grow, and God moves. And, and there are thousands of people coming every day to Wilmore, Kentucky. And the president said they're coming from other countries. I like think Paraguay, Japan, all, all over, they're coming to Wilmore, Kentucky. I spoke with a uh, chaplain that used to work for me at the VA who was there this weekend. He said on Friday night, Hughes Auditorium that has a capacity of 1,700, at midnight there were 2,000 people in Hughes Auditorium and 3,000 outside. The Estes Chapel at Asbury Seminary was open for overflow, but people wanted to get in Hughes and the reason is This revival is showing there is a tremendous hunger in our country and in the world to feel and sense the presence and the movement of God. And I have been told that in that sanctuary, the presence of God is palpable. There's even a live feed which will be ended this week. Classes will start back up the end of this week. They're, bank, they're, they're setting time aside just for students because there have been so many people come. People are coming in wheelchairs. There have been some healings, some miraculous healings in Hughes Auditorium. People are wheeling in their, uh, their loved ones who are sick and ill. It's just uh, been a powerful move of the Spirit. And if you watch the live feed, you can say, well, that, well the music's okay. There's no PowerPoint. There's no smoke machine. The seats aren't very comfortable. They're wood. There's not even a speaker. Where's the big name speaker? But you know what is there? Jesus, by His Holy Spirit. And when Jesus is present, none of that other stuff really matters a lot. There was a powerful movement of God, and they want uh, they want that movement to expand out to the country and to the world. And that's the president. And the president said this. Can you imagine a president of a Christian University saying this, he said, We don't need money. When does a school ever not need money to run? But we don't need money. We don't need volunteers. They have PhDs or professors emptying and trash and helping out. Because there's been just a a a plethora of just humility and God's movement and repentance and love. He said, We need your prayers. That's what. That's what they need. So pray for wisdom because he said we're overwhelmed. They are. He said I'm concerned, you know, the staff that works there, they've been going 24-7. So pray for them. Pray that they're faithful to the Spirit and let God's work be done, and they go on. So I just wanted to give you a report. And then, that's been a little long. I'll try to shave those minutes off my sermon. I don't know if that will work or not, but I'm really going to try. Okay? And now uh, let us prepare uh, as the choir does sing. Let us in, just have that time for the introit that we just invite, we invite God into our hearts and that we acknowledge his praise as we prepare.
1: And join me in the call to worship. Listen, for God is speaking. Look, for God is still present. Worship, for God is in our midst. Give thanks, for God is good. Our opening hymn this morning is, O Worship the King, it's number 73, and I think maybe on the screens. Thank you. May be seated. And if you would please join me in the opening prayer as printed in our bulletin. Let us pray. Glory of God, grace, presence, overwhelm us with your love, guide us with your wisdom, and fill us with your Holy Spirit as we worship and praise you this day. Amen. Now, if the children want to come and join me, that would be wonderful. Is it turned on? Oh, I think it is. Yay. Thank you. Oh, I like your pink dress, it's pretty. <clears throat> okay. I don't know if you've looked at this picture or not, but today the scripture reading is going to be about Jesus being transfigured. Now that's an interesting word, transfigured. It's kind of like being transformed. And that put me in mind of the toys that are called transformers. Do you know about those Anybody know about transformers? Well, as I understand it, transformers are toys that are start out to be one thing and then they change into something else, like an action figure and I'm thinking that God kind of does that to us. He can transform our hearts so that our hearts can be kinder, more gentle, less angry, more patient, more loving, those kinds of changes. If we ask God to do that, come into our hearts and change us. So let's hope that like Jesus is being transformed, we can be transformed in our hearts as well. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these children. We thank you for their families. We thank you for opportunities to change us in ways that would have us be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I have something for you guys. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. I think our prayer hymn this morning is Be Thou My Vision, which is number 451 in the hymnal, and you can remain seated.
0: We have such a great privilege to speak to and be assured that we are heard by the creator of the universe. And as we go before the throne of God to pray, we're going to have a moment of silence that you can quiet your hearts and souls and present to the Lord your own personal concerns. And I want to remind you that you may come to the altar and pray. And stay during the whole pastoral prayer or leave halfway or whatever you want to do. The altar is open always for you to come and pray at the altar as well. Uh, And you may do that at any time. But right now, let us bow before the Lord. And we're going to have just a moment of silence. mighty and glorious God. Even as we tremble in your presence, we rejoice in your willingness to live among and within us. Forgive us when we act as if we can separate ourselves from your powerful presence. Forgive us when we hide ourselves from you, forgetting that in you nothing is hidden. Lift our eyes to see your glory. Lift our hearts to receive your grace. Lift our lives to reflect the mountain of your love that we may shine for all to see. Give us a heart for you, O God. May our desire for you be stronger than any other yearning in our heart. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. Let it be so. May we seek you like a night watchman seeks the dawn. May we live day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment with a conscious presence of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May your Holy Spirit fill us to overflowing. May our worship be a reflection of praise to you. Our hearts overflow when we think of your gift to us that we have a relationship with You through Jesus Christ by the agency of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, we have everything we need in life right at this moment if we have You. If someone in this sanctuary does not know Your Son, Jesus Christ, not living in faith with You, may they not leave the sanctuary today until they have met and accepted Jesus our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that you've taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now our ushers will come forward as we worship through giving. me in the prayer of dedication in your bulletin embolden us mighty God to give us fully as we have received multiply the gifts we return to you now that they may empower the lives of many with your glory and your grace amen
1: it is our tradition to remain standing for the reading of the gospel the lesson comes this morning from Matthew 17:1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, And his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: so much, uh, beautiful. Thank you, Carol, for playing, and Mike, and for the offertory. What would we do without music coming? Brings us right before the Lord. If you would join me for a moment of uh, silence of the our heads and just ask the Lord to speak through me. As I was telling Chad before church, I said, if y'all aren't praying for me, this is nothing but a speech. And I know you don't want to hear a speech, and I don't want to give one. There's
1: a Holy Spirit
0: in it, that's what we've done. But I want the Holy Spirit to in. And we pray for the Holy Spirit So we just have a moment of uh, silence. Amen. It is a daily challenge for every Christian to stay in touch with Jesus. To stay in touch consistently
2: with Jesus.
0: We live in a fallen world and we fight spiritual battles with enemies we cannot see. We are inundated with this and that. And yet, our spiritual health, my health and your spiritual health, is directly related to one thing and one thing only. And that is how close we are to Jesus. Do we live with a conscious presence of Jesus? Do we nurture that? Do we walk in faith with Christ? I mean, we all know. We can come to church and not even have a conscious heart with Jesus. Our mind wanders anywhere. But this is our challenge. To walk closely with Jesus. Because our spiritual vitality is in direct relation to the proximity of our spirit with Jesus. And that's what the Transfiguration, I believe, is about. And I want to look at the Transfiguration and look at what does it tell us about walking with Jesus? What does the Transfiguration tell us about having a living, vital, Holy Spirit-filled Jesus reality of walking with Jesus in our life each day? Because I noticed some things I observed in reading this that help me, and I hope they'll help you. Now, I want to give you some context. What happened right before the Transfiguration? Well, in the chapter before, chapter 16, this is what happened. Let me just read a, a few verses of this. From that time, this was after Peter's confession, uh, uh, who do people say I am? Then, Je- then, then Matthew writes, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up the third day. And this is when Peter took Jesus aside and says, no, this will never happen. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, because you are not thinking of things of God. You're looking at your own and so even when Peter at that moment was with Jesus, he really was disconnected from Jesus because his mind was not thinking on God's interests, but on his own. And we can be in church or anywhere else on our knees and praying and thinking of our interests, but not God's interests. And the challenge of the Christian life and living a vital Christian life is that we walk with Jesus so that, our, that God's interests in our life is our interest and not our own. That's not part of the sermon. Don't even, that's free. Okay. Uh, don't have that down. But, but um, I'll try to save you on the back end of the sermon in a minute, so I'm sure. Um, and then he says, Then Jesus said, If anyone wishes to come after me, deny yourself all this. Now, so uh, it was, uh, this was only six days. Because of the first verse of chapter 17 that we read, this happened uh, six days later. The transfiguration happened six days from what I just read to you. And so Jesus is preparing himself, and he is preparing his disciples for a really uh, life-changing and difficult battle. The battle with the disciples would be to be faithful and not abandon Jesus... And the battle for Jesus is that he will be faithful to God's will, his Father's will. So that's the context. So in light of that, as we approach Lent, what does the transfiguration show us that might help us to walk with Jesus? And the first thing is, I think we need to spend time on the mountain. In our lives, we must spend time on the mountain. The mountain is where Jesus is. We must find time and spend time where Jesus is. We need to carve that time out. We're, we're driven in today's culture with the tyranny of the now. Everything's now. Everything's now. I don't want to sound like an old fogey, you young people sitting there, which is most of you in the audience today. Um, but, uh, but way back in the day, everything could not be now. Because if you sent a letter, you had to wait for a response. And if you wanted to learn something, you had to go drive to the library or walk or ride your bike. But everything is now. Everything, we have the tyranny of the now. It's not even email, it's worse than that, it's text. If you get a text now, you've got to do something with it. Turn off the notification. Look, see who it is. Is it important? Do I need to respond now? We live with the tyranny of the now. And you have to ask yourself, what do we wait for? And, In our culture today, what do we wait for? Not much. And yet, God calls us to wait for Him. And wait for Christ. Because God's movements are not our movements. We can begin losing moments. And when we start losing moments on the mountain, we begin not being able to hear God. But when we spend time with Jesus, it declutters our spirit, our soul, and our mind. Because we're always getting cluttered with things of the world. Now, what's amazing is in Luke, it doesn't say this in Matthew. But in Luke, the first thing Luke says is that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. Think, okay, let that settle in. Jesus, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray? Isn't he perfect? Isn't Jesus perfect? It not he the son of God? Never sinned. Never, never sinned once in his life. But he needed to pray. Jesus needed to pray. He needed to have time with his father. And I say to myself, if Jesus needs that, how much more do we? We're fallen. We struggle every day to live the Christian life. Some days we feel so close to God or moments in a day, and others if he's a million miles away, we didn't even think of it. And before we help, we're down some roads and we're not even trusting him. But Jesus prayed. So the first thing is spend time on the mountain. We gotta take, make time for the mountain. Number two, sometimes we gotta do nothing before we do something. Now, we all, a lot of us are like this. Do something. Don't just sit there. Do something. But sometimes we should do nothing before we do something. On the mountain, Christ was transfigured and and he met with Moses and Elijah, a a prophet and uh, and Moses, the giver of the law, the law through Moses. And I think Jesus was making a point that he is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus Christ didn't come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it. The law made people temporarily righteous, kind of. But Jesus came and fulfilled the law of God. And the law became the law of the heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and and spirit, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That is the law of God encapsulated in, in two sentences. And then Elijah, the prophet. What was Jesus saying? I am the Messiah. I'm the one the prophets spoke about. I'm the one the prophets wrote about. I'm the one that you have been waiting for. Moses and Elijah. And then Peter. You know, Peter's always the one stepping out. You know, you you want someone who's going to volunteer, get Peter on your staff, you know? He's not going to wait. He'll tell you what to do if you don't tell him. And so Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain. And then Peter says, well, well," he says, he looks around, whoa, whoa. Lord, uh, I think it's really good for us to be here. (laughs) I don't know if he was thinking it was good. Uh, It's good for us to be here. Uh, If you want, we'll build three shelters, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. Do something. But Peter made the rookie minister mistake. The rookie chaplain mistake. The biggest, or one of the rookie mistakes of of ministers, new ministers, new chaplains is we think we have to fix something and do something. When first off, what we've got to do is hear. We've got to hear Jesus. We've got to hear the people we're speaking to. We've got to give time for God to act. The Lenten season, especially, is a time about being, not doing. It's a time about recentering ourselves. In what? In what? Recentering ourselves to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know that famous uh, verse from Isaiah? Those who wait for the Lord will gain what? New strength. Don't you need new strength? Ah, oh, I need new strength. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. But you've got to wait. Those who wait for the Lord. We don't tell God what to do. God tells us what to do. And we wait for the Lord and He reveals Himself. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary on the transfiguration profound changes occurred, and, and you read that everything became bright white and the words transfigured and the interesting thing is if you turn or you just remember this verse from romans 12 the same word that g Je- that, that matthew uses that jesus was transfigured is used in romans do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is the perfect, acceptable will of God in Christ Jesus. And so just as Jesus was transformed, Jesus transforms us. It's that same word, but it's a transformation that's spiritual. And it occurs in us, and it's powerful, because our only hope in this world is to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We can't live the Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the transformation of his power, without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many church services we go to, how much communion we take, how much Bible we read, if we're not relying on the Holy Spirit of God to transform us through Jesus Christ, then it won't work out. And that's the word, transforming. And then the third thing I saw in the transfiguration is this. As far as I know, some of you Bible scholars may correct me, but I'm just off the top of my head, I think this is the only place in the New Testament where God, Father God, commanded the disciples. He commanded three disciples. This is what he said. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. That word in the Greek is a command. It's an imperative. Because in the Greek language, you can say a word and you can be, you can know what it is by the grammatical constructions of the Greek language. And that is a command. God gives a command to Peter, James, and John, and by virtue of this, this, this uh, historical uh, uh, report, and by virtue of it being in the Holy Scriptures, God is giving this command not just to them, and not just to the 12 disciples, and not just to the saints of the past, but He's giving... To us at Faith Community Church today, February 19th, 2023, at this very moment, God is saying, listen to my son, Jesus. That's what God is saying. Listen. Listen to my son. And yet there are many voices. But Jesus' voice is most important. God calls us to turn down life's noises so we can listen to Jesus. I believe Jesus wants to speak to us. And I think we miss him. I, I, I know I miss him so much. And when I take time, I can hear him. See, you don't know when Jesus might speak to you. And when we're not paying attention, we're not going to hear it. But if we're paying attention, he may speak to you when you're driving. He may speak to you when you're out for a walk. He may speak to you when you're sitting in the doctor's office and you're worried, but you just say, help me, Jesus. And you connect with Jesus. He may speak to you. He may speak to you when you don't know how to discipline your child. He may speak to you when you are are facing a very uh, scary medical report. He may speak to you when when you're dealing with life's difficulties if we just Listen and call upon him. Some of the voices we hear now are lies. Did you know that? Some of the voices you hear are lies. Some of the voices that, that determine your behavior sometimes are lies. Here's one lie. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. There's other people so much more talented. There's other people so good. There's other people that can do so much. I'm just pathetic. I'm not enough. That's a lie. That is a big, fat lie. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I say, if you and I are children of God, we are enough. Because we're created in God's image. And in God's image. Nothing is better. But we hear that lie. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Sometimes we carry shame because of things we have done in our past and we can't get by it. And sometimes we carry shame because of things that were done to us. But Jesus frees us from shame. There's no shame in Christ. How do you know, you say? Well, what did he do with the woman caught in the midst of adultery? That would be embarrassing or worse, right? Going to be stoned to death in the dirt. Jesus says, he without sin cast the first stone and now Jesus is going to give it to her. Oh, you pathetic woman, you. You nasty woman going with someone else's uh, husband. No. No. He didn't do that. The shame she had in the dirt exposed to everybody her deeds. Jesus saying, he without sin cast the first stone They left and she looked up and he says, look, there's no one here to condemn you. But he didn't stop there. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We've got to hear that no shame. The scripture says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. The righteous will live by faith. But look at this word in 1 John. And now, dear children, continue in him, that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. The continuing in him is on the mountain. It is the relationship with Jesus Christ. We continue in him. When we feel the shame, we continue in him. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's what Romans, I think it's 8 1 and 2 say. There's no condemnation. We continue in him. But sometimes the lie we hear, I should be afraid. I should be afraid. But where do we see all through Scripture when we interact with Jesus? And God interacts. Do not be afraid. On the lake, the Sea of Galilee, when the disciples were afraid, Jesus said, fear not. When he spoke to the uh, shepherds at the first advent, fear not. When he spoke to prophets, when the angels spoke to prophets in the Old Testament, fear not. Almost the first thing that God's messenger would say, do not be afraid. But what about a lie. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I want to tell you something. I can't preach. And I can't get up and play my violin in front of people. And I can't pastor. I haven't pastored a church since 1989. Because I've been in the Air Force and the VA. I can't. I can't. We have a lot of can'ts. There's a lot of things we can't do. But I say this, if God calls us, if God calls you to do something, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whether it's volunteering in something in the church or doing something, you think, well, it's out of my comfort level. Yeah, because if it's not out of our comfort level, it's unlikely you're going to trust Jesus. You're going to do it in your own power. I know how we work. So it's going to be out of our comfort level, but if God calls us, we can do it. Don't believe that lie, but what about this? I'm worthless. Worthless. Think of that. Sometimes we believe that lie I'm worthless. Sometimes I speak with people who have made grievous mistakes and decisions in their life, or they've struggled with addiction and they just feel worthless. And I visit those who cannot be in church anymore. And they spent their life giving. They spent their life volunteering. They spent their life giving money. And now they can't because their money is gone. And their strength is gone. And their health is gone. And their transportation is gone. And their support is gone. And they have told me they feel worthless. But I want you to hear this. I want those on YouTube to hear this. That you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the light. There's no age limit on our value to God. You are a special possession. Do you know what the most important thing I can do? It's not preach. the most important thing I can do or any Christian, he says, right here, we are God's special possession. Why? I mean, so that, that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into the wonderful light. If we're Christians, Christ has called us out of darkness. We walked in darkness. Our our destination was going to be hell because we were unforgiven. We were living our own way. We were doing our own things. We didn't care about Jesus. And then one day, God plucked us out of the fire. One day, we heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. And one day, we turned to Christ. And He took us out of the darkness and put us into the light and gave us an eternity in heaven. And because of that, we owe God praise for the rest of our life. And whether you're shut in, whether you're in a nursing home, whether you're in assisted living, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, Whether you're at work, or wherever we are, God calls us to praise, praise Him. We declare the praises of God, and that's what we do. We declare the praises of God. And we'll do it while we can stand, and when we can't stand, we'll declare the praises when we sit, and when we can't sit, we'll give the praises when we lay down. And when we can't talk, we'll give the praises in our mind, and then when we go to the Lord, we'll give all the praises. That's what God calls us to do. That's what Jesus does for us. And then, the last thing I noticed in this, the tenderness of Jesus. Verses uh, 6-9. to He says that they're terrified, and Jesus touches them. And he says, get up. And don't be afraid get up and don't be afraid that's what jesus says he said it's time to go down into spiritual battle you see we can't win the spiritual battles if we don't spend time on the mountain because you know what it's just going to be in our own strength and i can promise you from personal experience and you already know this if you fight spiritual battles your personal strength You will fail every single time. He says, go down. Get up, don't be afraid, and go down. Mountaintops enable us to go in the valley without fear because we all face valleys. You have valleys and I have valleys. In my life where we go and we have a spiritual battle that we have to fight. Jesus says, don't fear, I'll be with you. Go off the mountain because there's a lot of valleys that God is calling us to. There are people in valleys that need to hear Jesus. There are people who need to see the love of Christ. God calls us into those valleys. One of the most amazing Christians I ever knew. What I mean by that, a person who lived in the moment with a conscious presence of Christ was a man I don't even know his name and I didn't even speak his language. He was Pakistani. The year was 1996. I was in Daharan, Saudi Arabia before the bombing that happened there later. And because of the sensitivities of the Saudi leadership we had to have our Christian worship services in a parking garage. Couldn't have it out in the open. And so there was a parking garage, and, we, and the, the civil engineers had built some uh, wood, you know, studs up and walls, so that we had a place where about 100 people could worship. And it was damp and dank and poorly lit. lit. I think, oh, no, a teachers here. I know, I just did a, lit it is not a word out of it. Uh, poorly lit, I believe. Anyway, poorly lit, and it was an evening service. There was that probably thirty people there, and I, I did communion, and there were a lot of shadows in the chapel, and and the a Pakistani was in there. Now keep in mind, and those in the military know this. If you've been overseas, that third country nationals are hired. Uh, by contractors and they do work for um, an American basis. And they're the poorest of the poor and they come and sometimes the, the, the contractors remove their visas and they live in squalor. They can't practice their faith in Saudi Arabia at all. If you're a Christian. They, they get poor pay, but a lot of pay compared to their poor families, they would make back. it. He was from Pakistan. And he was a Christian, a Pakistani Catholic. And they would clean and do this and that. They were invisible. They were invisible to us. We never talked to them. Didn't know their language. Didn't care. And I got done with communion. And I walked to take my stuff back under the shadows in this Pakistani thin, dark-skinned mustache. He was standing like this, just like that in the dark, because he couldn't be caught by his supervisor in the dark. What's he doing? He was communing with Jesus. And I went up and I said, the communion said, offered communion. Tears started coming down. He had not did something like that with communion since he had been in Saudi Arabia. Probably a year at least. And he wept with joy. And he handled that communion like it was a piece of gold. That's what Jesus does we're connected. We're going to sing our closing hymn. The altar is always open. If you want to just come and pray, you can come up during the song. If you want to pray in your queue, that's all good too. If you would please let me pray and then we're going to stand. Lord, I pray you would help us. Stay connected to you and I pray for anyone in this sanctuary who does not know you that they will not leave without meeting you, Jesus. Amen. Please stay. <laughs> Receive the benediction and after the benediction remain seated for the choral benediction and for the exit of the choir. When you leave here, may you leave with Jesus and may he be by your side every moment of every day. Amen. You may be seated.